Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It is the 14th of March. I say good morning. I recognize that many, many of you are not listening in the morning. It's either not morning where you are right now, um, or you are listening via the rebroadcast and the podcast. So good day to you or good evening, wherever you are and whenever you're listening. This is Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge on the Faith Radio Network. Um, All right. Did you miss that hour that you were robbed of this weekend? I didn't miss it until this morning. And this morning... I'm missing the hour that I was robbed of. There you go. That's the way I feel. Um, Here's what's going on around the world as we seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on the issues of our day. If by chance you avoided the news over the weekend, um, let me just go ahead and tell you that uh, the war in Ukraine uh, rages on despite sanctions and boycotts and near worldwide condemnation. Russia continues to advance into um, the cities of Ukraine and actually uh, all the way to the Polish border in terms of um, military aggression. I want to bring into focus this morning the city of Mariupol. Um, They suffered 22 bomb strikes in less than 24 hours, and we're not just talking here about uh, artillery fire. We're talking here about um, bombs dropped from airplanes on major Uh, civilian portions of the city, bringing the city's self-reported death toll to more than 2,000, although um, there are many people who think that the numbers there are much, much higher than that. Russia now occupies the city. They have abducted the mayor, um, a humanitarian convoy sent to Mariupol from uh, the nation of Ukraine is stalled just a couple of hours from Mariupol. The people have been without electricity uh, and without water now for several days, and it's very, very cold. So um, we need to bathe that city in our prayers. Again, the coastal city of Mariupol in what would be southeastern Ukraine. Ukraine's capital of Kiev is bracing for a ground invasion. Russian troops uh, have regrouped about 15 miles outside of the city. Russian missiles struck a Ukrainian military base near Lviv yesterday, just 11 miles from the Polish border. 35 people were killed, um, and there is no uh, there is no no-fly zone in terms of what Ukraine has been asking for in terms of worldwide help. Um, the United States has authorized an additional 200 million dollars in funding, so we are we are uh, more than a half a billion dollars in in terms of humanitarian aid and uh, resupplying the Ukrainian military. But lest we think that the only bad actors in the world are uh, Russian, uh, you know, you got to keep your, you know, you got to keep your head on a swivel 
um, and pay attention to what's going on around the world as well. Taiwan is watching China as China watches Russia and as China watches the rest of the world respond to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And meanwhile, Russia is asking China for military aid in its efforts in Ukraine. So um, Ella and everybody is keeping at least one eye on North Korea, which is engaged in a serious escalation, according to the Pentagon, in missile testing. Iran did claim responsibility for a barrage of missiles that struck near a U.S. consulate in Iraq. Apparently we are building some things back in Iraq. And um, that area was uh, assaulted by a barrage of missiles that came from Iran. And meanwhile, Saudi Arabia executed 81 people on Saturday. Uh, It's just staggering what's going on around the world. And you say to yourself, I just really would like to close my eyes and go back to bed. But we're going to be um, people who are sober and responsible. This is the time in which God has uh, given us to live. We don't live now by accident. We live now by God's sovereignty and by his grace. We live in his providence. Um, And we live in what I'm going to talk about today as the even though days. I, I, I sometimes refer to you know, the days in which we live is the mean time, and sometimes the mean time is genuinely mean in terms of the times in which we live. But I was struck yesterday by um, a verse from Psalm 27 that, of course, echoes what we hear throughout the scriptures and probably know best from the 23rd Psalm. And it's these words, even though, even though. And I bet if you are a lover of God and a student of his word, when I say even though, and I refer to Psalm 23, you hear even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though, even though, even though. But there are some even though verses in the Psalm 27 that I think are worth highlighting as well. Even though, even though, even though evil evil doers assail me, even though an army encamps against me, even though war rises around me, even though, even though, even though. So we're going to talk about that, um, that we live not only in the mean times, but in the days of even though. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. fast. That's uh, that's the heart song um, being sung there. Um, just acknowledging God's goodness and God's grace in the meantime, in what I'm describing today as the even though. So this is the even though. Um, you and I are living in the days of the meantime or the even, low, even though. Um, I, I heard someone else describe this as the days but God. These are the days but God. Maybe you've heard someone um, describe a a life circumstance or a situation in that way. I I guess I think back to Joseph and uh, his experience of being, you know, thrown into a pit by his brothers and uh, left behind um, and then sold into slavery. Um, And, you know, but God, but God, what others meant for evil, you know, God meant for good or God used for good, but God. But God, all of the things that we might say about what we're experiencing or what others are experiencing, and then we acknowledge, but God. Think about uh, 
even the crucifixion of Jesus. Everybody um, thought they knew what was going on, right? The Romans thought they had it well in hand. The Jews thought they were uh, literally wiping their hands of, um, you know, a, a troublesome prophet. But God, I mean, Satan even thought he won, right? But God. So in these days of the meantime, or the even though, let us not forget the power and the presence of God. Psalm 27, I'm going to lift up a few verses from Psalm 27 this morning and just invite you to consider um, the even though. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me and eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it's they who stumble and fall. Even though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Even though war rise around me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. My head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud and be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face, and my heart says, your face, Lord, do I seek. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me and they breathe out violence. But I am confident of this, that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 27 has so much to say um, for the living of these days. Days that I am describing today as the even though. Psalm 23 uh, echoes in my mind there, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no, no, fear no evil, for thou art with me. Where are you today? Are you in the shadow of the valley? Are you surrounded by people bearing false witness or people breathing out violence? Are you under the shelter of God? Have you been drawn into his fellowship? Do you recognize that no matter what, God is and God is good? Psalm 119 verse 143 says, Even though I have troubles and hard times, you give me joy. Even though I am um, blessed to be with you today in this day of even though. Let's continue our conversation in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. All right, I'm scrolling uh, the headlines right now. Um, and, you know, the reality is that we are talking about more than two and a half million people who have now fled the nation of Ukraine, another 
couple of million internally displaced, which means, you know, they have moved across the country and into the homes of um, of other Ukrainians. Um, so hospitality is maybe a watchword of the day. Um, who are you ready to receive? How are you ready to receive them? I just think it's a good, that's a good conversation for us to be thinking about. Um, also looking today at headlines related to gas prices and grocery prices. And um, I am sure that no matter where you live and no matter what you're facing, um, those are somewhere on your list of concerns today. But if you're like me, on your list of concerns today is also, you know, a friend who's hospitalized, parents who have COVID, um, my sister and nephew uh, and his four friends are traveling today, you know, uh, on their senior uh, spring break trip, like, right, travel mercies. I mean, I, you know, if you're like me, and um, in some ways I suspect you are, well, yeah, um, there are concerns close to home and close to heart that never make it into the headline news, and I recognize that, and I think we must uh, tend to those as well. So um, I'm mindful of that this morning, and just thank you for the ways in which you lift me up in prayer every day. And I want you to know I lift you up in prayer as well. If you want to make me aware of your particular prayer concerns, you can do so on our text line. You just text me at 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Or you can always email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Things we never thought we would do pictures we never imagined we'd see. That's a, a note I wrote in my journal over the weekend. Um, and and part of it was provoked. I read a, uh, a blog post by a guy named um, Benjamin Marsh. And in it, there are some pictures of these, you know, little girls who look all the world like little girls you and I would know, um, seven, eight, nine, ten years old, sitting around, some of them in their little ballerina outfits, Um, others of them in, you know, just their play clothes, some in their pajamas. And what's going on is that there, you know, there's a small group that has gathered in an apartment. It's just moms and kids in these pictures. Um, And instead of doing the things that you might, well, think about doing if you had some uh, little girls and their moms over to your house, they're not baking cookies. They're not, um, I don't know, uh, They're not doing a Bob Ross color by number. That's not what's going on. They're not making um, uh, Easter cards. They are making Molotov cocktails. Uh, They are learning um, how to stuff just enough styrofoam into down the neck of those bottles um, and how to put just the right length of the, the part of a sheet down in the top of it filling it with uh, alcohol. That's what they're learning. Um, I am pretty sure that when the moms were sitting around talking about, you know, what are they going to do uh, when they get together with their little girls? I'm, I'm pretty sure that was not on, not on the plan. I'm sh- pretty sure that the villagers who are now knitting camouflage nets to cover uh, troops and to cover armor, I'm pretty sure that um, ballerinas toting guns ready for war, um, was not on, like, the spring planning calendar. And so um, just thoughts this morning about the things that we 
are prepared to do, although we're not preparing to do them. Um, And then questions like this, would your small group do that? Would your small group gather together to pour Molotov cocktails if an evil invader was shelling your city? Those are not the daydreams uh, we tend to have. Um, But I do think they are the conversations worthy of our consideration. Because it's too late when war arrives to decide whether or not you are willing to pick up a weapon in opposition to an enemy, foreign or domestic. It's too late at that point to make that moral decision, to do that moral calculus. And every Christian does not end up at the same place in at the end of that conversation. And we need to allow for that. There will be pacifists among us, and we will allow for that. And there will be those who um, genuinely feel the call to defend home and honor and blood, and we will uh, honor that as well. Um, Now is the time to have those conversations with your small group. Now is the time to, to talk about the reality that history is not progressing in the direction of uh, global peace until the reign of Christ. And I have read the book, and between now and the reign of Christ, well, uh, in a turn of phrase, it's a bloody hell. And I don't like that. I don't. I don't like saying it. I don't. My shoulders are squunched up right now, and my and and I. It's hard for me to say. But it's the truth. And we serve no one, including God, if we don't tell the truth in these days. So, um, we cannot turn away. We cannot avert our eyes, even though we very much would like to. Because we need to be the people of sober judgment who are helping to prepare others. Um, and, and that's not to say that, you know, I'm, I'm the least bit confident that I know the future. But I know the one uh, who holds the future. And I know the way home to his house. And I know my responsibility in the midst of the days in which I live to share that good news of great hope with others. Because there's a lot of other people who don't know that there's a Father in heaven, nor that there's a place prepared for them, nor that his Son is Jesus, the Savior, who has come to die that we might live. People don't know the gospel, and they don't know it's for them, and they don't know there's the hope of the reality of heaven. They don't know that we're praying, come Lord Jesus, and they don't know what it would mean if they heard us pray it. So let's be those people who um, live into this this redemptive sweeping arc of history, and let's be the people who are prepared to talk with those whose worldview has just been crushed. The progressives and the globalists are waking up to reality, and the roof of their system has just been blown off. And it's hailing 
in their worldview house. We are not going to gloat. We are going to offer them safe passage to the shelter we know is secure. God is real. God is good. God has not lost control of the narrative. He is our help and our salvation. What would it look like for us to share the hope of the gospel and the name of Jesus, the good shepherd, the hiding place, the shelter from the stormy blast, our eternal home? Start from wherever they are and lead them to Jesus. You and I are prepared for this. Yeah, I know. There are things we thought we'd never do and pictures we never imagined we'd see. But here we are. And we can't go back. We can only go forward. Let's be the people who go forward in faith and share the good news of the gospel with others. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. What is justice? I mean, like, just I mean, we throw that word around. You hear that word, like, frequently. Justice, peace, hope. What is justice? What is fairness? Are they the same? Are they related? Who's in a position to judge? What does it mean to judge rightly? What's the difference between judgment and discernment? But back to the first question. What is justice? And why do I have a concern for it? I hear people who have no um, belief in God whatsoever, and yet they appeal frequently to justice and to that which is just, just behavior or just treatment, justice for all. And I wonder to myself, where do they believe that is rooted? Like, where, what are they talking about? So I thought that in our conversation with uh, Professor Daniel Bennett today, we would start there. Um, we, we hear uh, these calls for justice, and we as Christians have a heart for justice, and we you know, are praying for justice in the midst of what's going on in the world. But I thought maybe we'd just pause on the word for a moment and consider not only what do we mean, but what does the wor- world mean when it uses the word justice? What's the word justice mean to you, and where is it rooted? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and when we come back, Daniel Bennett from John Brown University will be with us. Daniel Bennett is an associate professor of political science, the assistant director of the Center for Faith and Flourishing at John Brown University. He also um, aggregates and writes something called the Uneasy Citizenship Blog. You can find him, danielbennett.substack.com. Daniel, welcome back. Thanks. Good morning. Good good morning. Good morning. So um, I have currently two parents with COVID. I understand you have two children with COVID. Mm. 
I thought we were done. Yeah, our, our old. I don't know. I, I know. We I, was talk, I was talking to a friend last night and said uh, he said it was the first COVID case that he'd heard of in quite some time from someone he knew. So, uh, you know, we're just getting into it now. But thankfully, they're kids and they've been vaccinated, and hopefully, uh, it'll be pretty pretty quick. Daniel and Carmen are officially the just better late. We're not better late than never. We would have preferred <laughs> never, but there you go. <laughs> just... Exactly. Oh, okay, so um, I, I teed this conversation up by asking everyone to consider their understanding of the term justice and to just think about that for a moment. Mary texted in this. The situation in Ukraine gives me pause to think of people in other countries around the world who have known only war their entire lives. May we become more aware of others living in hard situations, uh, not that we would despair, but that we would pray and do what we can to bring hope and light. So she's talking there without using the word. She's talking about asking God for justice um, in the here and now, but also acknowledging that for many, it, uh, it only comes in eternal life. Talk with us about how Christians can be praying for justice in these days. Right. Well, I mean, first, one of the most challenging things that we talk about in in my international relations class is the situation in North Korea. It's been this authoritarian, totalitarian dictatorship for for decades, almost a century now. And how how do we compare what's happening there, not only with the church there, but just every member of the North Korean population dealing with repression and fear and injustice growing up and dying in those situations. Um, This semester, we're going through a text. I'm sure you guys have talked about it before. uh, Dane Ortland's Gentle and Lowly. Um, Mm -hmm. We're going through that with some students on campus uh, Wednesday evenings. And one of the chapters we touched on last week was uh, Jesus as the intercessor for us. Jesus as an advocate, but also Jesus as the intercessor. He intercedes for us. And, of course, that brought up the topic of intercessory prayer. And, you know, the, the topic of the chapter is really just Christ's heart for us is active, right? It's really the whole topic of the book, but it's active in seeking and loving his people. Um, that chapter on intercession, though, really got us thinking, uh, again, Jesus's ministry and his love for his people and his pursuit for, for justice and, and compassion was not relegated to his time in the world. Uh, he is seeking that and wanting that for for people today as we combat sin and evil. So I think Christians, even though it's some, it sounds, I've struggled with this most, I know this is a long answer, Carmen, I've struggled with this most of my life feeling almost naive to pray for some of these things, honestly, um, when, when evil seems so great and so destructive. Uh, it's a challenge sometimes. And I think that probably comes from the enemy. Say, oh, it doesn't matter what you, what you say, it's not going to change things. Um, I think Christians can and, and should, and I'm counting myself too, uh, in there, uh, pray confidently and pray uh, in an intercessory way that the Lord would be moving actively against evil and the promotion of justice and that his justice would prevail and that the people facing these injustices would be given peace and comfort in the midst of their tribulations. One of the, um, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, I love to pray confidently, praying in the name of Jesus, praying in the power of his spirit, um, recognizing um, God really does 
uh, hasn't hasn't lost control of the narrative. God really does hold all of history and every moment in it. Um, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, And that this day there are people who need the most basic of of God's provisions, like daily bread. Like I use lines from the Lord's Prayer um, as a part of this exercise, because when evil seems so great and destructive, as you noted, my prayers do seem like they don't matter. But I have to, like, acknowledge, okay, not only is God real, but Jesus is seated at his right hand interceding mm-hmm. right now. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I pray in in sighs and utterances that don't even make sense. They are, they're, you know, Scripture says too deep for words. I also think that that <laughs> means that they're like guttural. They're just sometimes these guttural noises. They're not... Mm. By the power of the Spirit, they're somehow translated between here and there Mm -hmm. to the very heart of God, and he works out his will. Mm. Like, I just have to—when you say pray confidently, that's what I hear you say. Mm. Yeah, no, I think that's—I think that's right. That's a really really helpful way to think about it, honestly. Um, And and, and just thinking about the hardships that we're seeing from, again, people in Ukraine, North Korea, but but also the church there, and, and struggling with this new reality that so many are living in. This isn't to diminish or dismiss real challenges and and issues facing uh, certainly, let's say, just the American church, right? Because you know we we there there is a cultural shift underway, but I do think it's a really helpful reminder to us to pray for the international community, like you said, with that confidence, but also to not develop, or at least this is how I would phrase it, not develop a a, a, a victim comp- or a victim complex here at home when we have so many wonderful freedoms that we can take advantage of. Uh, we met for a small group last week for the first time in our, in our, in our church, uh, with a good, this is good, this group of people just being able to meet and study the word together on a Monday evening without fear of persecution or, or discrimination. It's, it's remarkable in many respects, if you think globally and historically, um, and so this isn't to diminish actual challenges people are facing. Like there's real legal and political issues here at home, but I think it's helpful for Christians to take a global perspective too, and and really be lifting up our brothers and sisters around the world. Uh, we're talking with Professor Daniel Bennett. We're talking, um, you know, about the headlines of the day and how we bring the mind of Christ to bear on the times in which we live. You can uh, visit with Daniel online, danielbennett.substack.com. One of the observations that a friend of mine made um, when we were just talking about, like, it's it's hard to see so much hardship and then turn to what, you know, are whatever the concerns of my day, right? It's, It's hard to see, to know that, you know, bombs are bursting in air right now. Um, that people are losing their homes, they are losing their loved ones, they are worried, they're cold, they don't have any water. I mean, on and on. The list is very long, right? They're living in the hell of war. It's hard for me mm. to see all that, to know all that, and then to turn to, okay, I got to go pick up some bananas and turn in a form at school, mm. and, you know, there's dry cleaning that's been, you know, languishing for a while. Like, right, like, things like that, right? It seems so odd. And my friend said, hey, you know what? Jesus knew everything that was going on in every life around the whole world. And he still walked everywhere he went. He still Mm. slept soundly. He still sat down and ate with people. He laughed. Jesus still, you know, went to a wedding 
And, Hmm. you know, during which other people around the world in that moment were in real hardship. Hmm. And so, you know, um, there's never any evidence that Jesus ran anywhere, even in the face of the death of a friend. And so I just, there's a peace that passes understanding. There's the secret of contentment part of this. Um, There's the do what God has put before you to do in the day that he has given you to live, in the place he has given you to serve. Um, And that's not in any way to diminish that there are real hardships happening in the lives of real people in other places. Um, But I have to leave some of that literally in the hands of God. I got to pray. I got to put it, put it where I can. And then I have to do what God has set before set me, um, Hmm. to do today in the place where I live. Man, that is such an encouraging word too. We can leave that, like you said, confidently in the hands of God and do what we can with the resources we have and, and trust that he will do the rest in his time and for his purpose. Yeah, I think so. Amen. So, um, we're going to turn to some of the more, I don't know, Mundane and closer to home. (laughs) I want to talk with you about gas and groceries here in just a minute. Would that be good? All right. So we're going to talk gas and groceries and market volatility and uncertainty. Oh, yeah. All that good stuff. Up next with Professor Daniel Bennett. Um, He serves at John Brown University, where he is the assistant director of the Center for Faith and Flourishing and an associate professor of political science. We're going to continue our conversation in just a moment. Now I'm Continuing our conversation with Professor Daniel Bennett, serves at John Brown University. You should check out the Center for Faith and Flourishing there. Um, Daniel, let's talk about uh, some things really close to home, gas and groceries. Um, The price of gas affects the price of groceries, uh, but we were already in a a really serious inflationary, um, I don't know, period of time, and it only seems to be getting worse. Talk with us about uncertainty. Talk with us about how all of this affects uh, people in terms of the way they think about politics and politicians. Just, just you know, wander around in the subject matter. Yeah, so this is uh, something we talk about with our students pretty regularly, especially in our Introduction to American Government class. When evaluating elected officials, and especially the president, people tend to have tended, at least historically, to focus on economic issues. These are things that affect them uh, more directly than things like foreign policy or even specific like cultural policy questions like uh, the Second Amendment, immigration, even abortion, these really hot topic issues. People are affected by those things far less than, say, a, the price of stuff that you buy at the store. And so uh, when we talk about economics, there's sometimes a, a, an effort to talk about it in terms of GDP growth or Uh, the unemployment rate, or even inflation. But once these things are connected to tangible goods that everyone buys or has a, sorry, like 99.98% of the people have a connection to, that's going to affect people's perceptions of their elected officials. And so that's one of the main challenges for, for President Biden right now, if we're talking about it strictly in terms of electoral politics, is not only is he in the midst of a midterm election in which the president's party typically loses seats. Now he's doing it in an economic environment that is really catastrophic for him. And so you've seen him make comments lately about how he's trying to connect most of this to the Russian invasion. I think there's some of that which has escalated the price in gas, but goodness, it was going up before this. 
uh, it is going to be a tough road to hoe for him in the next few months to try to, <laughs> to try to change course. So I have a um, person to whom I'm very close. She is 56. She's got two kids, college age. I would have described her up until this point as like fiscally very conservative, um, socially not very conservative. And on the Second Amendment issue, um, not ambivalent, but um, certainly not engaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now um, I would say very interested and engaged. And I and I have like looked at that one person and thought to myself, this is a very interesting. I mean, I realize it's this man whom statistics I can bring you one, you know, one one woman in this case. Yeah. Um, but um, it's going to affect I mean, what she has seen and and for the first time in her life, like the question of whether or not she is personally safe, her children are safe, her house is safe, her community is safe, you know, whether or not the U.S. military is sufficiently funded. This is a person who I've never I, I would have. It would have surprised me that she knew that during the Obama years, we went from being ready to fight wars on two fronts to, you know, only prepared to fight a war on one front. She's like, what? I mean, that's that's ludicrous. Like, so I just I think that there are people who have been focused on the home level of economics. They have been focused on the national level of economics in terms of like their 401k. But they have not been focused on uh, several other issues that people maybe of a politically conservative mindset would say, hey, these all matter, right? Economics matter, national security matters, readiness matters. Mm-hmm. There are there these, um, and that they're related, that they are related. Yeah. I think maybe that's what's emerging. People are beginning to understand all of these things are related. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And, and part of the issue is uh, in this, in, in political science, we talk about terms like uh, um ignorant not in a negative way but just people aren't typically thinking about political issues they have other things to spend their 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 time on and uh and and sometimes folks have a difficult time connecting all of these big issues which is why things like the price of gas and groceries resonate so much is that that's something tangible i can see and i see it every day Um, but yeah i think your 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 friend is, is absolutely right to start to make these these connections more broadly when a country is economically weak there's an argument that there's there's more vulnerability uh not necessarily just from you know other actors i think the us is blessed with with isolation in so many respects but um just domestically right people get frustrated and scared and and angry when things aren't going well economically um and i didn't even mention the 401ks or the retirements accounts i've just stopped checking honestly just because it brings me a little bit of a depression acid stomach she's closer Mm -hmm. to retirement than i am yeah so, uh, yeah, I think she's right to do that. Uh, living here in northwest Arkansas, there's definitely more of a culture uh, around guns than I had growing up outside of Portland, Oregon. And so uh, even at John Brown University, a lot of our students are into that um, into that world from their families. And, uh, yeah, you can definitely sense a, a palpable, uh, I guess, feeling of, of uncertainty here. Now, that doesn't mean things are inevitable, obviously, but you're right. These things are all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think seeing these images of people mm-hmm. willing to defend um, their homes, their way of life, their their country, it has changed the conversation um, about 
the U.S. military. It has changed the conversation. It's just interesting. It's as if there's a bit of a wake-up call that we are not just progressing globally toward universal peace. It is as if there has been this acknowledgement that, oh, you know what? There still are bad guys in the world, and they still do really bad things, and war is still real. And and the the relative peace in which we've been living under, you know, I've been starting to call it the, the Pax Americana, right? It's no mm. longer a Roman peace, but there is this, there has been this American peace that has existed um, for our lifetimes. And yep. that's changing. That has changed. That's over. No, I think that's exactly right. I mean, since the end of the Cold War, you know, for the 30 or so years, there's been this period of, like you said, the United States is the, the lone superpower. You know, obviously, Americans still face you know, dangers when they travel to certain places. But even in those instances, right, if an American is taken hostage or, God forbid, killed overseas, there's almost immediate retaliation uh, from from the government. Obviously, with with 9-11, there was, you know, the, we can debate the wisdom of this, but two, one initial massive war that tried to unseat the the Taliban and try to destroy al-Qaeda. And then with, with Iraq, we saw what happened there. Um, and yeah, we're moving back into a period uh, of uh, of uncertainty in, in many respects after the Cold War. And I think that is unsettling to a lot of people, and we're having to readjust our expectations. Okay, on the political front um, here in the United States of America, while nobody is paying attention to what's happening in the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo thinks he's going to make a comeback. Can you just <laughs> talk? I mean, I mean, I only have a minute to talk about it, but um, does that guy make a comeback? I mean, who knows? I mean, people have made comebacks before. Uh, I, I, I know that uh, like Eric Greitens in Minnesota or Missouri, the state north of me, the governor who was forced to resign in disgrace for his behavior. Uh, he's running for the Senate, I believe. So who knows what will happen with him? I sure hope the former governor of New York is not able to get back in the public's graces. I mean, set aside the the personal uh, problems and the in the behavior that he evinced, but just the policies surrounding what happened during the pandemic was just uh, w- with the uh, cover ups with the nursing homes. It was just absolutely disqualifying. Um, hopefully, the voters there have had enough for for good. But who knows? <laughs> I, I sure hope not. Maybe maybe the question is: uh, Is anything uh, fully disqualifying anymore? And, and I that- think we've. We kind of know the answer to that, which is frustrating. Yeah, that is frustrating. Um, But a good question maybe for us to be asking. All right. Blessings on you and your little people um, and your wife, who I feel confident is tending even now to the concerns of uh, of the household. So blessings uh, on you all. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Absolutely. That's Professor Daniel Bennett. You can find him at John Brown University. You can find him at the Center for Faith and Flourishing. And he blogs at danielbennett.substack.com. We'll be right back. It's pie day. Is that why we're playing this, Paul Perot? Yes, it's pie day. (laughs) It's pie day. So pie for breakfast, quiche, pie for lunch, pizza, pie for dessert, pie, pie, pie. Oh, my. I, I think, yeah, I love a good quiche. We had a conversation. Paul is Paul Perot is back. He is the Hello. producer of this program. Um, we hope you had a restful and blessed uh, week off. We had a conversation um, in your absence, Paul, about whether or not I could use a dozen eggs that I had discovered had been languishing for an unknown period of time in Jim's truck. Um, and Ew. they had frozen. 
I know. See, you would have immediately said, no, don't try to use no, those. That's no. ridiculous. But they seemed fine, and they didn't smell bad, and they'd been frozen, and then they unfroze. And so the shells were cracked. So it was like, you got to use something. You got to, you know. So there was a, a wide open debate here about whether or not I should try to use them. And of course, you know me. I tried to use them. I made quiche. Uh, I... And... No, I know they didn't smell, but they, they didn't. They didn't look bad. They didn't smell bad. I mean, when I cracked them open, I mean, if it, if there had been an obvious issue, I would have thrown them out. <laughs> but you know me, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, you know, inquiring minds want to know. So I whipped up a quiche, and I should have just like made it as plain as simple as possible, because then if I had to feed it to the dogs, I wouldn't have wasted my porcini mushrooms and my broccolini uh, and my yeah. super tasty onion. Um, boar's head cheese. Ooh. Oh, anyway, that's so good. All right. Yeah. So, um, here's the end of the story. <clears throat> the dogs finished the last of the quiche last night. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, but I did get them to eat their vegetables. So there you go. Oh, there's that. So, um, the long and the short of it is, uh, yeah, if you find a dozen cracked eggs in your, in the back of your husband's truck and he doesn't know how long they've been there and they've clearly been frozen and unfrozen, I mean, you know, maybe make scrambled eggs and give them to, immediately to the dogs, but don't try to make a quiche and feed it to your family. That's that's the learning we did last week here together without you. Hopefully you had leftovers because the quiche didn't turn out. <laughs> I feed them pie. I just feed them pie. It's <laughs> there all There you good. go. Uh, all right. We will be back in just a moment. We have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Dr. Linda Mental is going to join us. She's going to... Um, She's going to talk with us about what we do with all this stress, the stress not only of war, but the stress of watching war. We're going to have that conversation with Linda. And then I cannot hardly wait for Elizabeth Urbanowitz to join us. If you've ever wondered, how do I teach my kids how to think? She's going to tell us how. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.